Hey guys, thank you for watching online all over the world. We are honored that you would watch LifePoint Church Services. Our mission statement around here is pointing people to a Christ-centered life, and we want to hear how that's happening through these sermons. So we would love for you to reach out to us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and tell us how God is moving in your life. Also, if you're a part of this service, but, but you're not close to a local campus, we want to help you get connected to a local body. Please reach out to us, and we will recommend some great churches in your area for you to be a part of. Again, thank you for being a part of LifePoint Church Online, and we hope God blesses you. Okay, so we're at Romans 12, specifically verses 9 and 10, and today we're talking about love. Now, there are many... Uh, cultural interpretations of what love is um, and all of that. And some of you may remember a late 60s song uh, from the Beatles called All You Need Is Love. I'm not going to sing that for you so you can thank me later. Um, and <laughs> and that, that uh, uh, but really in our culture, like, um, I don't know, I'm, you know, all statistics are made up on the spot. 70% of worship songs talk about love or something of that nature. Like we hear these songs with all these different conceptions of love and, 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 and just kind of ideals of what love is and how uh, love works. And most of them are not biblical. Uh, and so today we're going to look into what is biblical love uh, what does scripture talk about when it says that God is love? Because a lot of times in our culture specifically, um, we, we, the Bible says God is love, but our culture makes love God. And we chase after it. We run after it. We, we seek it uh, uh, as if it were the end game of all things. We, we, we pursue it. We spend our money trying to gain it. We, we, all of those, all of our attention and affections go towards this idea of Love and and so we're going to see throughout the passage today what is love what is real genuine love and that that what is what is a Christ like love and and uh, how that should work in us and so today our bottom line and for all of you Boston lovers I don't want to get another song in your head but it's more than a feeling more than a feeling is our bottom line uh, for today and essentially with the idea of it's not some ubiquitous uh, airy, out there kind of concept, but that love has real, genuine actions. Love has real, uh, tangible uh, movements in your life that, that what you do determines if you love someone or not. And so we're going to see that uh, throughout the passage today. I also think it's significant to note just, uh, again, where we've been. Romans 1 through 11, Paul gave this theological treaty. He's moved from into chapter 12, which is a lot of practical application. So we saw in verse 1 and 2 where he says, you are to be a living sacrifice. You, you, Jesus doesn't just want your heart. He wants all of you. He wants everything about you. He wants your life, right? So we saw that. Then in, in verses 3 through 8, we saw, yes, give, give your life to God and then give your life to one another. Serve, uh, live to serve serve the saints live to serve the body that this place this body has to be healthy in order for us to accomplish the mission the mission and the vision that God has laid out for us namely to preach Christ exalted to all nations and so we have to serve uh, one another and so Paul then heads into the next linear line of thinking saying well you can't serve one another if you don't love 
one another. And so that's why he's beginning to explain what love is so that the church doesn't just, uh, doesn't just go through the motions, but that there is real, genuine affection for one another so that they, we can all, as one, accomplish the mission and vision that God has put out for us. I think it's also significant to note that Paul is writing Romans in the city of Corinth. Uh, if you remember uh, well, 1 Corinthians, he wrote 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians lines up, and probably rightly so, very similarly to Romans 12. Uh, if you look at 1 Corinthians in chapter 12, he goes through these things of you should be fully devoted to God. You should serve one another. And then if you've ever been to a wedding, you have heard 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not, you know, all these things, right? Same kind of layout in Romans 12. It's love God with be a living sacrifice, all of your heart, serve the body. And then this is love. This is what love uh, looks like. And so he's walking through just and going to give us a very clear, succinct definition of genuine love. And I'll just remind you, just a little side note here. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, first of all, download them. They're all free. Uh, uh, you can download plenty of free uh, Bibles. We, I preach out of the ESV version, so you, you can get one of those, download one of those. If you don't have a Bible, we have some out there. We would love to give you. Those are, those are the cheap ones. If you want a really nice one, we've got a lost and found in the office. Uh, you, there's lots of nice, just scratch the name off the front. It's great Bibles, okay? Uh, so <laughs> if, you, if you need a Bible, though, we want you to have one, all right? So just uh, get one of those. All right, let's, <laughs> let's read. Uh, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 12. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Okay, so let's break this down. First, he says, let love be genuine. The, the, the word, which comes from uh, the, the Latin root word, uh, is sincere, right? Sincere. Now, let, let me give you some background to this word sincere. Uh, in that culture, they would, they would have these dishonest merchants that they would sell these pots, right? And if a pot was broken, they would still try to sell it, and they would put wax uh, over, over the broken piece of the pottery, over the, and, and then they would kind of seal over it so you couldn't tell that it had been broken, right? And so they begin to put on, uh, honest merchants would begin to write on their, uh, on, stamp on their pots, sine sera, which is without wax. Where we get the word sincere is without wax. So this idea of just genuine, real, not fake, nothing, nothing flawed with it, but it, it, it is, here's the pot as it is. Not, I haven't manufactured, I haven't, faked it. I haven't manufactured it. It is sincere. It is real. That's where we get the Latin word. The Greek word specifically he's using here uh, means without hypocrisy. Like uh, if you, I've got some masks. I think they're going to throw up there. Uh, the word hypocrisy they would use in, the, in Greek culture uh, was this idea that actors would feel one way, but they would mask it with the happy mask or the sad mask or whatever. But they would hide their true feelings with this mask. So this, this word, let love be genuine, is another way of saying without hypocrisy or, or absolutely as you are. And, and let it be true. Let it be real. Um, uh, and let, let it not be um, hypocritical. Let it, let it be absolutely uh, genuine. And so essentially he's saying Christian 
should love one another with a real, genuine, actual love. It should not be phony. It should not be fake. It should not be this facade that we walk around with, this, this fake kind of disingenuine love, but it should be a deep, it should be a real love. And, and, and he's going to walk through um, how that plays out. But one, one of the problems that I want to address before we go much further is one of the things I see is a temptation for church folk is that we can play the game really well. And what I mean by that, I, I, mean, I mean this. Like you can learn Christianese pretty quickly, right? Like you learn all the right words to say, don't say. You, you, you learn when to raise your hand during a song, when not to raise your hand. You learn like all the different ways to play church without really ever being a part of the church. And so you can play the game. You can speak the game. You can tell all your friends that you go to a church. But are you really in the church? Are you really a part of, of the church? And, and, and if you don't have any real affection for the Lord, you're going to come in here and you're just going to play the part, right? You're just going to fake it till you make it, uh, put on a smile for the two hours, hour and a half, however long I preach, till you get out of here and then you go back to normal living. And so this church thing becomes a box that you check to appease some kind of cultural conscience or some kind of guilt in your own life, but it never becomes a reality. It never becomes a genuine affection for a body of people or a genuine affection of the Lord that plays itself out in a covenant community that is the, the church. And so you, you just you pretend that you're all right when you're not, right? You pretend like you've got it all together when everyone knows you're lying. Like you, you put it all, like you try to pretty yourself up and you work to create this external image that isn't an eternal reality. And the, the crazy thing, th th that is called hypocrisy. And within the church is that it is so unnecessary. It is so unnecessary in the church. Why? It's unnecessary because we are all jacked up people. We came into this world, every one of us, rebels against God, loving our sin, hating God. We were graciously saved and redeemed by God, and we all all of us, myself too, fight sin and our flesh on a daily basis. So coming in here, putting on this facade of, I've got to figure it out. I've perfected this Christianity thing. It's just not necessary because we all know that none of us are okay. All of us are clinging to God and clinging to the cross and coming to him, needing his grace and favor and mercy on us every day. Every one of us is fighting sin and fighting flesh. So to pretend like we're not is just unnecessary. And so here is what the gospel does for us. Because let's lay out the foundation, the foundation for all people, all of us, born sinners, Lost in sin, rebels against God. God had to come in to do a work in you by his Holy Spirit, drew you to himself, saved you. You were a wretch. I was a wretch. And 
I didn't stop being a wretch overnight, but there's this thing called progressive sanctification. That means we are growing to be more and more like Christ, which means five years from now, you should look back on today and say, whoa, crazy where I was. Praise God where I am. But the reality is we are constantly fighting this flesh and sin in our own hearts and lives. Every single one of us every single day. So to come in here to places with the body and to say, I've got this thing nailed down. I've got it all figured out. I've polished every area of my life. It's really just silly and unnecessary. And, 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 and the, rea- the reality that we live by as believers is that the gospel has set us free from trying to make us prettier than we actually are. And so we've said about this place all along that this is a place where it's okay to not be okay. And the Lord is growing all of us in our weaknesses, in our failures. He's, He's continuing to make us more like his son, but that is a process. And it is a process that will not it goes quicker when we begin to stop faking it and just say yeah I'm messed up and I need Jesus I, I, I'm messed up and he's growing me he's showing me the sin in my heart he's showing me the bitterness that I'm hanging on to he's showing me the things in my life that are dishonoring to him he's continuing to make me like his son this is the beauty of the gospel and 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 when he says let love be genuine he's saying Stop putting on the mask. Stop living a hypocritical life. You are all on the same footing. You were all lost and in need of a Savior. And, you, and God saved you, and he's growing you to look more like Jesus. So stop pretending to have it all together, and let's work together to continue to make us as a body look like Jesus collectively. That's what he's saying. Then, then Paul goes on. He's saying... True love is genuine, uh, and he begins to tell us what it looks like, what it does, and it doesn't do. And and the first one he says is, genuine love abhors evil. In other words, genuine love is discerning and discriminating on right and wrong. There is a right and wrong with real love. Um, That means there has to be an absolute standard of right and wrong that doesn't change with time, doesn't change with culture. And we believe that there is. We believe that that standard, that absolute standard is the word of God. We stand on the word of God. We believe in the word of God. We are bullish about the Bible here because it is the absolute truth. It is the word of God. It's the words of God to the bride and the people of what uh, pleases God and what doesn't please God. How one might be saved, how, uh, how one might be damned. The scripture is the uh, the absolute truth that leads us in uh, that direction. And, um, and, and what this Bible says is sin is sin. What it says is how to be saved is how to be saved. What, what we stand on this word as the absolute truth. So that means if it was a sin 2,000 years ago, no matter the time or the culture or, or, or anything else, it's a sin today. No matter, you know, no matter who says it's not a sin, no matter what president we have, no matter what the Supreme Court says, if this thing says it is against God, then, that, then that's what we stand on. That's the absolute that we stand on. And that's, that's what we hold uh, true around here. Uh, 
Uh, one example of that uh, is, uh, well, I mean, we got lying. Some people say it's okay to lie in certain scenarios. Well, hold on a minute. Like, what does the Bible say about lying? Okay, it's, it's okay to hate someone if they've done this to you, okay? Uh, scripture says, forgive your enemy and pray for him. Okay, so we got to stand on the Bible when it comes to what is true about our sin because culture would scream the other direction from a lot of times what the Bible says. Uh, you look at homosexuality, you look at abortion. Uh, it, it amazes me, like, uh, how many people, and, and every culture really hates terrorism, uh, but what's mind-boggling to me is how anyone who loves Jesus doesn't also hate abortion. Abortion, in one day, kills more people, more babies than a hundred terrorist attacks. You know, in the U.S., every day, 3,000 babies are killed. Every day. In the world, it's 125,000 babies a day. So, just to get, wrap your mind around a picture, 9-11, we all know 9-11, remember, never forget. But November the 10th, 2001, more babies died than people died in 9-11. November the 12th, more babies died than people died in 9-11. So we have to be a people that hates evil. It says abhor what is evil. That doesn't, that doesn't mean just dislike it. It means detest it, loathe it, hate evil. We have to be a people who combat evil and fight against evil because evil sin, sin assaults uh, the glory of God. It assaults us human beings. Though we don't know it, though we begin to uh, love sin and, and, and creep closer to sin, it destroys, it kills and so the body, the believers, those filled with God and God is love, we have to be a people that hate, hate sin. And I, I say those things um, knowing full well that there are people in here who have, maybe you've had an abortion, maybe you've funded an abortion, maybe you've talked uh, uh, a woman into getting an abortion. And I will say to you that there's grace and there's mercy in Jesus and Jesus alone. There's forgiveness and, 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 and he can make your path. He can restore what the locusts have eaten. He can return your past into using it for great things. And so you have to lean on him for forgiveness and mercy and grace and all of those things. And so it's not the unforgivable sin. It is a sin, but it's not unforgivable. You can cling to the cross to find mercy and, and be uh, made right with God and be guilt-free from those things. And he used that past to maybe love other young women and young men into making, uh, to, to hating evil and running away from the, those kinds of decisions. You know, uh, culture says confronting sinful behavior is, is hate. They say uh, that it is, it is not right, it's judgmental, it's hateful, and that loving people is really just tolerating what they do or accepting what they do. That is the antithesis of the scripture. It, it is absolutely the opposite of what Paul says here. Paul says that not confronting sinful actions or attitudes is the most unloving thing you can do because sin kills. Sin hurts uh, people. And, and so genuine love doesn't ignore wrong. It, it chooses to love. It chooses to confront lovingly. It, it, it chooses to deal with it. That's what Jesus did. He didn't sweep our sin under the rug. He confronted it. He dealt with it. And, and so, so uh, th there is this 
there's the personal responsibility for you to, to abhor what is evil, hate what is evil. But there's also this, this covenantal community relationship for us to collectively hate what is evil. Now, what, what does that look like for us? I think everyone in this room, myself included, has blind spots in your life, in your spiritual walk, that if, if you are not told what they are, they will run you over. Now, you, you, you say, well, not, I don't think I have any. That's why they're called blind spots. You can't, by definition, you don't see them. Okay? That's why you need people, you need to be in biblical community, you need to have you some really close brothers and sisters who can look at you square in your face and say, bro, uh, hello, you're about to pull over and there's something in your blind spot. You, there, there is this thing in your life that you can't even see, that you're, you don't even know it's there, or you're justifying it for whatever reason. You're, you're trying to make your situation dictate theology. And, bro, look out. And so we have to have people in our life that help us uh, to see our blind spots and to, to point it out and say, man, I think you have an issue. The, the, the most hypocritical, weak form of love and really it's not love at all it's to see someone being attacked by one of these blind spots and sin and evil and 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 saying nothing about it and just saying just tolerating it oh maybe they'll maybe they'll figure it out uh man that it'd be like this here's here's an analogy if my son goes he, he starts running, and he, he, he runs to the road, and he's playing in traffic. And I say, wow, man, that's kind of dangerous, but, man, he's having a really good time. Ah, yeah, he's having a good time. It's all right. I mean, maybe he'll figure it out. What would you say about me as a parent? You would say, you are an awful parent. <laughs> you have no business parenting, right? Like, you, you don't love your child. But if I saw my son in the road and I said, my son's name is Josiah. I say, Josiah! And I do that dad face. You know, I'm like, ah, come here. Get out of the road. And I bring him over and I get down on his level and I, I look him in the eye and I say, son, that is dangerous. You see that squirrel? The dead one? The, the, the one that's like cut in half and its eyes is popping out? That's going to be you. Now, I may have to pay for counseling, but at least he'll be alive, right? He can thank me later. Right? That's good parenting. And, and if he does it again, then we're, we really have a come to Jesus meeting, and then we get all, boom, come on. You, you do that? Yeah, I do that. All right? So I don't want him to die. Don't go in the the road, you die, right? And so I'm loving, I love him. I want him to be safe within the realm of my leadership and as far as I can help him be safe. That's my job. That's what I want to do. I love him, right? And and it's just the same thing, man. If If you see a brother or a sister walking to to a dangerous road. They're standing in the middle of a road and this Mack truck of sin is bearing down on them. What do you do? You just say, huh, well, sure, yeah, bless his heart. Hope he figures it out. That's not going to be pretty. 
or you go and tell everybody else, can you believe he's standing in front of that Mack truck? That's the craziest thing. I can't believe he'd do that. No. A loving action would be like, hey, dummy. It's a Mack truck. Get, get over here. Like, you are heading down a dangerous road. You have this blind spot in your life that if you don't see it, it's going to crush you. And I tell you that knowing you might get mad at me for telling you to get out of the street, but I love you too much to see you ran over. This is love. That we confront evil. That we don't want to see evil win over any of the brothers or sisters. That we hate it as a, as a covenant community so much that we will hold each other accountable to it. And we will say, this is evil. We have to hate what is evil. This conversation is evil. We're not going to have this conversation. You're walking down the road, and I want you to know that you're heading down a dangerous path. I love you too much to watch you keep going. Or to have a conversation with someone that says, if I start standing in the middle of that road, would you please tackle me? Would you please, if there's a blind spot that I don't see, help me see it. This is love being genuine. This is a covenant community collectively hating what is evil. Then he says that genuine love not only hates what is evil, but it holds fast to what is good. We're not just a bunch of whistleblowers, like a bunch of referees pointing out fouls. No. I remember I went to this mission trip in Vegas one time, and y'all have seen street preachers and them big signs, right? They all, they're whistleblowers, right? They're, they're on their sign, just adulterer, fornicator, liar. Well, at the top of one of these guys' sign was glutton. And we're on this trip, and, you know, some of us had just eaten all-you-can-eat buffet. So we were, it was the shirt that made it kind of look bigger. But you, So we're walking, and all of a sudden, one of these guys points out one, one of our crew and says, Glutton! It was on him, baby. I was a lot younger. I was like, you said what? You better, you better hold on, right? But here's these whistleblowers, right? But, but, but the reality is, he says, yes, abhor what is evil, but cling fast to what is good. That means we don't just evil, 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 evil. We say, Jesus, grace, mercy, come in under the fold. Be redeemed and saved by our great God. Like we cling fast to what is good. This, this, this scripture where it says hold fast, it's really a word for, for glue, it's the word used for glue in the Greek. So we're to cling to what is good. We're to gorilla glued next to what is good, duct tape, whatever you want to say. But we hold up what is good. We don't just point out what is evil, but we say, oh, there's, there's life here. There's, there's mercy. There's forgiveness. There's grace. There's life here. Hold fast to what is good. Next, Paul says, genuine love means that we're devoted to one another with a brotherly love. It's the word Philadelphia, brotherly love. Genuine love is marked by a loyalty and devotion. Same loyalty and devotion that you see in good families. Now, all believers are brothers and sisters, right? Whether, no matter your 
uh, age, race, ethnicity, uh, socioeconomic type, gender. What, we are all one in Christ. And so, you know, sister from another mister, brother from another mother, whatever you want to say, but we are one as a body. We are family, right? Now, here's the thing the scripture constantly pushes us to is that your relationship with believers should be even stronger than your relationship with your family that's non-believers. And some of you know this to be true in your own life. You've got family in your life. It's not that you hate them or you try to have a relationship with them, but you don't have that connection that you have with the body of Christ. Now, you've heard the saying, blood is thicker than water. Well, the spirit is thicker than blood. We are to be tight-knit, close family. Your non-believer family, you get, if they don't come to Christ, um, you don't have to spend eternity with him. <laughs> you have to spend eternity with me, <laughs> with your brothers and sisters, right? And so it should be a tight-knit relationship. Uh, I, I, let, me, let, me, let me test the waters to see where we are in this. If Husbands, if someone came up to your wife and smacked her right in the face, what would you do? Some of you would say, well, it depends on what she did. <laughs> well, I don't know. Sometimes I want to do that. No, don't do that. All right. Uh, what would you do? You, you would rise up, right? You'd be like, hold on a minute. Like you would hopefully you would stand up. You would defend your wife's honor. You would get after somebody. You would you might even like, all right, we're throwing down. Let's go. You ain't doing my wife like that. You know? OK, now let me ask you this. Let's say we get the fall festival. And let's say my wife is out there working the mud, mud wrestling, all right? Just working it. She's not wrestling, all right? And someone gets mad because, you know, she, she said, you're out, whatever. And they get up and, and, and smack my wife, and I'm nowhere close. And you're standing there watching it. What would you do? I hope that you would stand and begin to defend my wife's honor. I hope that you would say, no, 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 no. You are not doing that. That's not happening. And that I hope that you would, you know, fisticuffs with somebody, right? Like, come help me out, right? Like, let's get after it. But like this, is there someone in the body that you would say that, that, that people, this people, I, I, I would go to battle with. I would go fight for. I, 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 would, I, would, I, would, I would fight to protect them and, 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 and for their honor. Like, I, I, would, I would throw down with them and for them. Like, I would die for them. That's the kind of relationship that we should have. That I care for you so deeply that I would protect you from all foes, whether spiritual, whether enemies outside, or even from yourself, that I would fight for you, and that you would fight for me, and that we would fight as one to say we want to honor Christ, we want to hate sin, and we want to be one family. That's what he's talking about here. That's that's what is going on. Now, the reason that we have to fight to have that kind of relationship is because of sin. Sin has broken all relationships. 
you remember Adam and Eve in the garden. They had great relationship with God. They, they, they walked with him and talked with him. And, and they were naked and unashamed. And they had this great relationship. And then sin comes into the world. Now, uh, all men should hate sin specifically because of the naked and unashamed part, right? Like, without sin, our wives would be in the kitchen with nothing but a smile, right? But now they're like, covered in flannel in the middle of the summer, you know? So we should hate sin, <laughs> right? And so sin has messed up everything. So Adam and Eve had this great connection with God. They had this great relationship with God. And all of a sudden, it, it's broken. They're kicked out of the garden. They, they have to put clothes on. They have to make these sacrifices. They, 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 they no longer know their purpose. They're plowing and weeds are sprouting up. And there's broken, rift relationship. And, and Adam wasn't a good leader of Eve. Eve did not, was not helpful to Adam. And so there's this broken relationship between the two of them. And sin does that. It comes in the middle of all uh, relationships. But this, this is the beauty of the gospel. The gospel, Jesus Christ going to the cross, redeeming a people to himself, reconciles us back in right relationship with God, but it also reconciles us in right relationship with one another. This is the power of the gospel. Think about it. This doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. Whether you're 90 or 10, we have relationships. No matter whether your socioeconomic status, you're rich or poor, we have community, multi-ethnic, multicultural. This does not. This is unique to the bride of Christ. We, We come from all different walks of life. Some of you were saved from the womb. Some of you were saved last week. We come from all different walks of life. And, and, and Christ says this, there is in, in Christ, there is not Jew nor Greek, male nor female. Well, you are one in Christ. And we are one body, one unit together, one family. This is the power of the gospel. To take the sin that so easily divides. To kill it. To hate it. And to fight against it. To be one, to love one another with a genuine love, to abhor what is evil, to cling fast to what is good, and to have brotherly affection for one another. I want to read you a couple verses here uh, to talk about the importance of loving one another. Now, you may not like one another all the time, right? Y'all know the difference between like and love, right? I I, I, I like a hamburger. I love a steak, right? there's going to be people that, you know, might rub you the wrong way or you're like, you can only handle them in doses, right? But that doesn't negate your command to love. Love is different than like, but you're commanded to love. And I want to show you 1 John 3, 14. And I'm going to read these knowing full well and being very thankful that they are not my words, but they are God's. 3, 14, 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life. Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Let me read it to you again. We know that we have passed out of life into death. What's he saying? You can know that you've been saved by Jesus. This is one of the assurances that you are bought by Christ and that you are saved by him. What is that assurance? That you love the brothers. 
If you don't love the brothers, then you probably don't have Jesus. It's one of the assurances that you are in the faith, that you are redeemed, and that you are on your way to eternity with the Father, is that you love these crazy people. And he says, whoever does not love abides in death. These are very straight words. And again, I'm glad there's scripture. 1 John 4.20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. These are strong words. This is the kind of love the scripture talks about. Do you have that kind of love for each other? The Bible says that a friend sticks closer than a brother. This ought to describe the relationships that we find in this body. The church should be this safe community, family, where we can trust one another. We have each other's backs. We fight for one another. And we collectively unify around this is the mission and the vision of the body of Christ. This is the love that you are to have for one another. Now, I know that some of you have been hurt by people in the church. I've been hurt by people in the church. What is our response when we are hurt by people? It's our response, oh, well, I'm done with people. I'm going to go back into my American culture, pull down my garage and not talk to anyone kind of lifestyle. That would be the antithesis of the scripture and what the body is supposed to be. When we are hurt by people, there's a biblical way to confront that. And, and we as a body have to begin fighting for one another to rid evil, out of sin, out of our lives and cling to what is good. We're going to hurt one another. I'm going to say hurtful things from here. You're going to say hurtful things to me. We have to say, okay, this is where it comes in with the same foundation in that. We're all jacked up fighting flesh and sin. I got to fill the gap with trust and grace and know that God has called me to love a broken people. And I'm thankful that you are called to love a broken man. It's, 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 it's not a feeling. It's more than a feeling. Could you imagine if in, 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 God, in John's gospel, he says, a new command I give you to love one another as I have loved you. What if it was just about getting hurt for Jesus? What if once Jesus got hurt, he said, all right, I'm done. So when Peter said, I'm in it to the end, I'm never walking away from you. Hey, we're arresting him. See y'all. Peter's out. Jesus is abandoned. What if Jesus would have said, oh, I got hurt by the church, so I'm not going to die for it. I'm not going back there again. I got hurt by them. No. What if at the first cat of nine tails on his back, you think he was feeling it then? No. He laid down his life for the church. He laid down his life for his sheep, for the bride of Christ. And he says, a new commandment I give you to love one another as I have loved you. 
That means you lay down your life for one another. You lay down your life for the bride of Christ. Is there that kind of relationship between you and the body? This, it's, it's not, so, so genuine biblical love is not just a feeling that comes and goes. It's a command to be obeyed. It's a discipline that God has freely given us. It, it, it is an outright mandate on the church to love one another as Jesus has loved us. That's what he told us. Then he wraps it up and says this. He says in verse uh, 10, the end of it, he says, Outdo one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another with brotherly affection. So what I hear him saying is this is a competition. Okay? And it says, you are called to outlove that guy. Or the person across the aisle, person sitting behind you, person sitting in front of you. He says, outdo one another in love. Outdo each other. Okay, what this also says is, is that love is unconditional. So if you can outdo someone in love, that means you show more love than you got. All right? Now, in our cultural context, generally, if we show more love than we get, our response is, I'm out. Right? We do that in marriage. Right? We think it's more of a contract than a covenant. And if they're not meeting my needs, though I'm doing this and this and this, if they're not meeting my needs, if they're not reciprocating that love, if they're not at least matching me or at least getting close to matching me, then I'm bailing. No, that is, that is anti-scripture. He says, outdo one another in love. It doesn't matter how much love you get. You outdo them. You continue to pour out love. You continue to pour out yourself. Outdo one. Competition. Do better than them. Show them love. One-up them. Can you imagine the community that is dead set on, I'm going to love them more than they love me? Isn't that, isn't that so backwards in how we think? We so often think, boy, I hope they, I hope they do good this week because they got to show me something. I'm going to come, I'm going to sit in a service, I'm going to evaluate, I'm, I'm going to sit under Chad, and, 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 and I'm going to sit under David, and, and, and they better, and the greeters, they better greet me. No, bro, this is a, a family. This is a body. We, we are to come together and say, ah, I love these people. I don't know why sometimes, but I love these people. And I want to serve them. I want to lay down my life for them. If, if, what do they need me to do to continue to push them towards Christ and help them hate evil? Does that mean I need to be in a small group so I can know lives, rub elbows with lives, so I can point, we can defeat sin together and raise up Christ together? Does that, what does that look like? Does that mean I need to serve them setting up every week so that people can come here and hear about the gospel of Jesus? What does it mean for me to love and outdo one another in love? I think if we could get this, church, see, see, this is the piece in the whole deal that I think if we got, this would be the shocking thing to the world. Jesus said, they'll know you are Christians by how you love one another. 
we like to think of it. I've got my own isolated ministries, and I'll do what i got to do. And if I'm doing my isolated ministries and I'm telling people about Jesus, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, they'll know you love me by how you love one another. So, again, the health of this body moves us to accomplish the mission and the vision of taking the gospel to all nations that God has set before us. When this body is healthy, we will run with that mission and vision. And we we will run fast towards it. It goes hand in hand. And so who in here do you love like that? Who in here would you die for? Who in this room would you say, I I will fight for you. I want you to fight for me. Who? Again, it's not ubiquitous. It's not airy. It's not just as far out. I'm talking about who, what's the name of the person in this room that you would lay down your life for? They have a name. Who is it? And if you don't know that person, then I'm challenging you to begin to discover what the genuine biblical love looks like. Because that's when the world will know that we love Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, even now, our sin wants to stop us from loving like this. Even now. I know the enemy is trying to distract our hearts to say, that's not easy. I don't, don't have time for that. And wants us to go pick up our to-go food, pull into our garage, and have nothing to do with anyone else in this church for the rest of the day. I pray, Father, that you would break down that sin in our lives and that you would begin to help us to love with a genuine Christ-like love. That we would abhor what is evil, cling fast to what is good, love each other with a brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing love. I pray, Father, that you would move us into action. Maybe that's someone asked someone else to lunch today (laughs) and say, hey, let's get to know one another. Let's... See, let me love you. Let us work on this relationship. Let us hate sin and push it out and become a real family and body. Help us, Father. We are, we are weak and, and we are all messed up. And a lot of times uh, it's hard for us, it's hard for me to be vulnerable like that. It's a lot easier um, to hide away to do our own thing. There's less risk. Help us to not live that way. Help us to live in a way that honors you when it comes to this church. And would you continue to make our body healthy so that we can accomplish the mission and the vision you've given us, namely to take the gospel to all nations. Help us to love as you loved us, Father. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. Help us to lay down our life for one another.
We love you, Jesus, and we need you in this area in mighty ways. We need you to show up and to move us by your Holy Spirit to action in love. Not just feelings, but action in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.